0: Welcome to Honor Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I am your host, Fred Wellman, right here on the Myest Touch Network, or wherever you get your podcast source. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, say hi. I tend to stay up and watch the show with you guys, so I'm going to say up front, be sure to say hi. I love hearing from you. We've got a great show. i got an old friend to come on, which is my favorite thing to do because we're going to have a good time, catching up with old times. Uh, let's get on with the show. And welcome, welcome, welcome back. We are still on Democracy F.P. Wellman. I am still Fred Wellman. This is still the place to be in the right place. I'm so glad to have you. It has been crazy in Washington. And I say that every week. And I have not written it down because, to be honest... I deleted that paragraph. I forgot to write one down. So anyway, it has been a crazy week. Uh, as you know, uh, the little silly games in Congress continue. They tried to kick out George Santos. He survived for reasons, uh, which I'm sure we can discuss later. Um, they spent four and a half hours last night, Republican senators Graham, uh, Sullivan, and Ernst uh, trying to convince Tommy Tuberville not to be the flying jerk that he is. Uh, they failed after reading 61 different nominations, asking for unanimous consent on each one, and he objected to each one, uh, insisting he's not hurting military redness, even after the Marine Corps Commandant had a freaking heart attack last week. And so that goes on. So the, the comedy goes on, the stupidity goes on. In the meantime, good things are happening in the world. I'm, I'm thrilled to have a guest that can actually talk about those things. So without further ado, my friend Jeff Timmer is joining us, just known as Timmer, (laughs) just, I don't know, it's funny, I was like, Jeff, that's his name? I was just calling Timmer. (laughs) Timmer, Timmer's leading political issue advocacy strategist, spent 30 years providing big picture counsel, communications, for corporations, trade associates. This is your official bio, it's really boring. Anyways, (laughs) super, super official, big time Republican, former Republican in in beautiful Michigan, (laughs) In, in a past life, in a long past life, Timmer was the chairman of the Republican Party in Michigan. We met. Through our mutual work at the Lincoln Project, where he remains a senior advisor, Jeff, man, great to have you back on the show, brother.
1: I am glad to be here. Um, you know, I, I love this uh, this podcast you do. It's it's great to to watch. It's great to see this uh, you know catch on and become as big as this. It's, thanks, uh, man. You know, and thanks for having me be part of it. It's, a it's lot great of fun. to have
0: you back. You know, Timmer is an original coming back. He was he was on the old uh, Timmer came on. When we were still on call in <laughs> that train wreck of an app where. <laughs> So, so, I think Matt, you gotta keep track of a spreadsheet, like how many how many calling guests we're getting back in this real podcast we've got now. So, I appreciate you joining <laughs> us. I appreciate you especially joining us in the early days when I was trying to figure this stuff out. Although anybody who watches the show knows I'm still figuring it out and I have no idea what I'm doing. But nonetheless, <laughs> and you got your own show. I didn't mention your show, Republic If You Can Keep It. I should have mentioned yeah, that yeah. you've
1: got your own show. So, yeah, you can you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Republic If You Can Keep It. I'm uh, I co-host with the former chairman of the Michigan Democrat. Democratic Party, Mark Brewer. Wow. Uh, we're in our third year of, of doing this, and so uh, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a yeah. lot of fun to get on here every week and talk about the 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 issues that are going on, and and uh, try to raise awareness about how important this fight for democracy is, and how fragile, uh, you know, it is in this country, and uh, how how
0: scary the 2024 election that's looming out there a year from now yeah. uh, looks to be. Well, we get an eye out of it now. You know, when the midterms were over, I said right here on the show, I said, you know, they've got a really slim margin. Uh, they took the Republicans with the House, but it's such a slim margin and they all hate each other. And so it's going to be a complete train wreck and circus. But I got to be honest with you, man, I didn't think it'd be this much of a train wreck. I mean, I, I can't believe I actually underestimated how much of a train wreck the Republican caucus would be. I mean, did you see it being this bad? <laughs>
1: Every time I think I, it, you know, that they're going to live, or I guess <laughs> fall down to my lowest expectations, <laughs> they exceed them or exceed yeah. them. I'm not sure. I don't what know what the term is either. But, you know, I, I didn't think it could get more comical or dysfunctional than it was watching that 15 round drama right. with McCarthy trying to get the gavel uh, last January. And then, <clears throat> You know, I thought it was going to be some kind of circle jerk with uh, Matt Gates and a couple of the contrarians who just hate Kevin. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to descend into what it was, but I, you could have easily predicted that it was going to go through the machinations, the, 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 the trial and error that it did. Um, because, you know, the negotiations, to get votes had to begin at the spot McCarthy ended. He had already given away all the power right. and and prestige and clout that that uh, position as speaker carried with it. And so whoever was coming in on his heels had to give up more. And how do you give up more than everything?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and he had nothing to negotiate with Johnson. None of those guys had anything to negotiate because the committees have already been given away, and you know he already he already bought off Marjorie Taylor Greene, and kept, you know, so he, he was coming in with nothing. Which is why they probably end up with a guy with nothing. I mean, I mean, the more we find out about this guy, the biz- more bizarre it gets. I mean, I, what do you think of this character, Mike?
1: Johnson? Well, he's. Yeah, he, he is, is definitely somebody to be concerned about because, yeah. uh, um, the, you know, the, the, the term banality of evil. I mean, he wears this, this, um, extreme, you know, he, Religion, his, his version of religion, his bastardized version of Christianity cannot just be accepted as normal because right. it's not. It is far outside the mainstream of, uh, uh, American culture. It's far outside the mainstream of the Republican party. Now, there's a plurality or, or large a segment of the Republican Party that adheres to this very far out there, uh, evangelical fundamentalist. I mean, this guy makes David Koresh look like a secular <laughs> pussy um, <laughs> when you get down to it. And, and it, you know, it's it's just not normal. The, the things that the, the clients that he's advocated for, and this right. isn't just an attorney who's doing the work, you know, defending a client because they're entitled to representation in court. Yeah. This is a guy who's chosen his causes to align with his worldview. And his worldview is very, very strange. And yeah. it's not normal.
0: No, it's, it is totally out of the norm. And, and even amongst, like you said, amongst Christians, uh, it, it, it is an extreme form of it, you know, from the, you know, it, it just every day something new comes out and it gets stranger and stranger. I mean, obviously, this is the story about the the son he adopted when he was saying. I mean, there's just some weird, and I try to I try to avoid the more salacious stuff even on this show. But man, it's hard to avoid some of the salacious stuff sometimes, these guys, and and the and the stuff he's gotten himself into. And, and he flew under the radar. And there's no way they did any kind of a vetting on the guy. They think they knew him, but we had a unanimous, unanimous vote. I mean, what what I noticed about, if you remember, I, I highlighted it last week in the show, that that outrageous press conference with Virginia Fox, you know, he's telling people to shut up. What I've been telling people a lot, Jeff, is who was wasn't in that picture. Right. If you look at that press conference, there wasn't like I'm in Missouri, too. And Wagner, OK, who was a big. She's not in the picture. Right. Gates okay. wasn't in the picture. Right. There's there a lot of people you would think would be in that little press conference that weren't there. I mean, I, it, it is interesting to me. I tell people the thing about this conference is to see who's not there as much as who is there. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is right out of the autocrats. Playbook. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this many times in many different formats. Uh, you and I have, and yeah. you know, along with others, the you Over know during election the, night, at well, the so called the, <laughs> right, the so called yeah. normals, right. the normies and the the, normies. You know, they looked like they were when they when they said no to Jim Jordan. It looked like okay, they found some spine finally. Had yeah. they shown this any time since to, 2017, we wouldn't necessarily be in this predicament we're in. But they're yeah. craven and they're they're cowardly, and ultimately they. Were servile and they just got tired. They they, they decided that the process, get, you know, getting it done mattered. more, You know, not not being victim to the criticism back in their districts. Congress isn't even functioning. They're at a stalemate. Yeah. They decided to that that making things work was more important than who was making them work. Right. You know, I tweeted that day that, that he finally won, you know, those pundits uh, in, in, in Germany who said, you know, at least the Reichstag is working again back (laughs) in 1932. That turned out to be a pretty fucking bad take.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, that's it. I mean, they, they just sought out, um, a safe space, and now they're paying a price for it. I think. I think that now you see, you know, like Congressman Buck is leaving Congress, and and Kay Granger is leaving Congress. I think. I think the the completion of the circle is now there, right? I mean, it's they have they have finally completed the circle of the the MAGA takeover of the Congress. And it, and and when you said something key. I don't think it. Even I don't believe that actually represents the the whole Republican Party. I think. I think that's why Donald Trump only has thirty seven percent strength. You know, but having said that. That is now the face of the party that that what does that mean? What does this say to you of where the party is compared to where we were you know, even when you and I were together at the, at the two and a half, three years ago now?
1: Yeah, there I guess I want to maybe try to clarify uh, okay. my view on where the Republicans stand. There's I think, you know, a, a solid you said 37, I would say about 40 percent of the party who will crawl across broken glass yeah. for Donald Trump, who yeah. will only vote for Donald Trump. Right. That's it. You know, if he's if Donald Trump somehow isn't the nominee, they will take their bat and ball and go home. Right. right. But there's another thirty five, forty percent of the Republican Party who, who are adjacent to they're they're fine. You know, yeah, they can go along with it. They're they're the appeasers. Right. They're, the, they're the enablers. And they don't necessarily like Trump, but they're willing to tolerate him today just as they have since 2017 Not, right. nothing has broken uh, their desire for uh, either power or th- the policy outcomes that he will bring and and uh, benefit them with you know it's like the German industrialist being bought off in the 1930s yeah it's it's he's co-opted the the enough uh, where even in head-to-head races, or polls now, uh, whether it's against Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, Trump is at 70 plus percent of the vote in a two way race. It doesn't matter whether there is a bazillion candidates running against him, whether there's just one candidate running against him. Trump is the 800 pound gorilla and he's going to be the nominee so long as his aorta stays intact. Right.
0: Right. Which is a question, of course, at all times. I guess my question then, as bring it to, which takes us to this next moment, which is. All right, we're looking at an election we see this chaos in in, in the Congress we see the chaos in uh, the the presidential race on the especially on the Trump side we see the chaos that he's in court I mean how do you think Democrats should play this moment as they approach election I mean what is what is the right play you think as we as the Democrats look at their strategies and I maybe of course it's obviously different things with a, a congressional district or a national but in general how, how do they play this well
1: there, there's there's different constituencies to consider. First right. of all, they have to consider their traditional Democratic left constituencies, uh, which is normal in an election. Right. They're right. used to talking to those people. But a new and vital and maybe the critical part of their coalition are people like me and you, former yeah. Republican voters who want no part of, you know, that's not my circus, not my monkeys. I want no part of that Republican Party anymore. But I'm not actually, in, at least in my case, I'm not actually a Democrat when you get down to matters of policy and ideology and in many different but none of that shit matters to me right now when we're facing an existential threat to democracy yeah i'm part of a pro-democracy coalition uh in the only option out there right now is is democrats and so there's a difference in how they talk to that swath of voters and you know back at the lincoln project we called it the Bannon line those Republicans who Steve Bannon said, if, if they, if those guys at the Lincoln project can get four or 5% of the Republicans to, to vote for Joe Biden, Donald Trump can't win. Right. And that still remains true, but those four or 5% are not motivated by the same things that the traditional democratic coalition members or uh, <laughs> groups are. And so the messaging in the, in the messengers are very different and, and need to be. And so it, it, It causes the Democratic strategists, the the Biden campaign, the DNC and all the supporting super PACs and everything to really, I think, uh, need to be careful uh, with how they approach this. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they've got they've got to keep the enthusiasm and threat level high with their base, Um, but they've got to not go so far with policy that. that that civilian voters, people who aren't like me, who don't live and breathe this stuff, you know, they're just out there trying to you know live their lives and work their jobs and get their, you know, yep. manager kid schedule after school. Huh. You know, they're not paying as much attention to, to this. They just don't want, they want normal. They want to not be drinking from the fire hose of politics 24 seven, like we have for nearly a decade now. Yeah. And so they can't see they have to see Biden as a normal mainstream Democrat. And as long as that happens, they if if they go into Election Day, seeing Biden is a mainstream. Yes, he's he is left of center. He is a liberal Democrat, but he's a mainstream Democrat. I can vote for him. That's why they voted for Gretchen Whitmer in, right. in Michigan and Josh Shapiro yep. and, and Tony Evers in uh, in Wisconsin, because they were seen as traditional democrats running against extreme MAGA candidates and is if that remains the the calculus for from for voters next november the country is going to be in a safe place that's right really but answer. that's not necessarily where we're going to be because there's all kinds of complications out there including right. bobby kennedy jr cornell west and our friends uh, not really friends that at no labels yeah. uh who who You know, just today, um, Nancy Mm -hmm. Pelosi has become the the most high profile uh, voice against no labels and what they're trying to do. And, you know, in a theoretical debate world, we could sit and say, hey, you know, the the more participants, the better in a healthy democracy. We don't have a healthy democracy right now. And I believe that we can't afford the Lord of the flies where everybody gets into the arena and we just have this, you know, everybody's swinging at Joe Biden, (laughs) really what it comes down to any any vote that doesn't go to joe biden whether it goes to donald trump or not if it comes out of joe biden's column from 2020 that 81 million it benefits trump and that's where no labels comes in bobby kennedy is a threat potentially potentially i mean there's a poll out today that shows him at like 22 percent national yeah yeah that's that's considerable It, it it gave biden a slight lead but within the margin of error yeah. And that didn't have a no labels candidate on there. And it didn't have Cornell West on there. Yeah. So we need to start looking.
0: The, 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 the lens will clarify as we go through the next year. Well, that's something um, I say but, a lot, too. Yeah. I mean, I say that a lot is, I, I, and I love the history lesson. So you and I are both Linker Project alumni. Uh, you're still with them. So I tell, I was, I was speaking to a group recently and people were really freaking out about the polls and, and oh my God, we're a year out and we're in a really bad place. And I, I get the history lesson. Like, did you guys know, I mean, you you, you can generally people say, oh, Linker Project was pretty influential along with our, our coalition of uh, pro-democracy groups. And I said, I, I said, this group I said, do you know when they were founded? And they look at you like, well, what do you mean? I said, do you know when they were founded? Like, uh, no. I December of 2019, <laughs> and did you know when they you heard about them? May of 2020, when they <laughs> had the Morning in America ad, and then things got a little crazy, right? I mean, if you, I tell people all the time, you forget that Lincoln Project's original budget was like a quarter of a million for the, that cycle, and of course, Morning in America came out in May. Donald Trump called them the loser project, and things got crazy. But my point for telling that that timeline is. We just haven't gotten started yet. I mean, the, 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 not one vote's been cast. Uh, Iowa's not till January. I mean, it's easy to I, it's easy to wring our hands, especially on the Democratic side. We love to wring our hands because I am a Democrat. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I left mm-hmm. completely and, and I've embraced it because I think I was always a liberal to be honest with you. But <laughs> having said that, you know, the hand wringing caucus, as, as Jamie Jamie Harrison calls it, the hand wringing caucus is always hand wringing. But I, I'm trying to tell people, look, we have concern. We have to do the work but we've not yet begun to fight. <laughs> is that your perspective, too? I mean, yeah.
1: And, you know, and one thing I've noticed, because this is now the third election cycle that I've been working as a, as an ally to Democrats yeah. uh, in 2020 and 2022 and now 2024. Yep. And one thing I notice is, is kind of the, the uh, locker room mentality, you know, to use a, a sports analogy here, the difference I've been in Republican locker rooms for most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, now I'm I'm seeing the inside and the game preparation for Democrats. And there's a there's a psychological difference in the way it seems like Democrats have historically uh, approached this. And when I was a Republican, <laughs> we used to say the, the Democrats are just really shitty at this campaigning. <laughs> 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 they really are. And we in Republicans, uh, I say we but I still sure, have in yeah. my <laughs> DNA that, that you know, after th- three decades, it's hard to get to break those habits. it a couple of days. Um, Right. Well, we would we would win races that we weren't supposed to because we could get in their heads. The Republicans could get inside the Democratic heads and get Democrats to react and play defense rather than go on offense. And I see that tendency is kind of in the Democratic campaign DNA. And it's that's something they need to really work to overcome. It's a it's it's a matter of how you you go onto that field knowing you're going to win. We've got what it takes to win. There we we have to win. We there cannot we lose this game. Right. But there's the, the way they are appro- Many of them kind of historically approach this is we might lose. Oh my gosh. I hope we don't lose. It will be <laughs> awful if we lose. And there the,
0: it, it's accurate. how you approach this
1: psychologically
0: affects your strategy and it affects right. your execution. And it really does need to change. Yeah, I, I, boy, I, I, I'm so glad to get a new analogy. I'm going to steal from you because that's what I do. I steal all my best ideas. But exactly, it, it is about the, it is about the mentality. That there's a game winning mentality. That's why I love. We had, uh, I had Simon Rosenberg on here a few weeks ago. I just love Simon, um, the Hopium Chronicles guy. And and that's one of the things we talk about is like we are winning. Polls are great, but look at the numbers of the special elections, and and you know we're overperforming. The Democrats are overperforming by 12 points per, in every uh, special election. Those are the polls that So We're winning. Now we've got a big one. Coming up with with uh, with Virginia and and Jersey and other states uh, next week, November seventh. It's mm-hmm. next yep. Tuesday. It's gonna be exciting to see. But but we're also I'm starting to hear the numbers are looking good in Virginia. Hopefully it, it is. But it, that that enthusiasm is matter. When when you go on the playing field believing you're gonna win, it's a different it's a different approach than wondering if you can stand up to the big guy. I think I think you're absolutely right on that.
1: Yeah, and and you can't play the Super Bowl trying not to lose. You have to go out there and do everything to win. The prevent defense, you've heard the, you know, the criticism in football and other sports. You got to go out there and try to run up the score and do everything you can to win the game, not worry about losing it.
0: Man, I love that. And it goes right into what I've been telling a lot of my candidates that I work with is, People are looking, especially the Democratic side. They're looking for fighters. They want to fight. Um, I, I use John Fetterman as an example a lot. But Fetterman, in a lot of ways, represents exactly what we're talking about. He said, "I'm going. We're going to win. We're, we're going to fight." And he's he's raw. He's honest. He's real. Um, they're not looking for these super polished, you know, birth from God candidates anymore. I think I think there's real room for fighting. But I see it again and again that the, the reaction to the messaging that I use a lot and when I speak and when my candidates speak is, is no, we're we're fighting. We're fighting for democracy. We're fighting for the real world. And then. And the final thing I say is to a lot of my candidates, is going back, to what we talked about what we about the policy. Democratic policies right now are national policies, right? Seventy percent of people believe in in unions and their right to strike. Eighty percent of people believe in universal background checks, and background checks are reasonable. Seventy percent of people believe in a woman's right to choose her, you know, reproductive uh, choice. Those are democratic issues, but man, those kind of numbers are bipartisan, right? You know, so I do believe there's a place for us to to say we're winning, and then and then go on the field and just get through the four quarters to get our trophy at the end.
1: Yeah, well, and I definitely think those issues, they, they, they're not looked at, though, as bipartisan. They're looked at as there's this big partisan divide out there. No, yeah. there's, a, there's a divide between how the elected Republicans vote. I saw it here in, in Michigan yesterday. Uh, they're closing up their legislative session, and there was a bill up to, uh, it was effectively a red flag if somebody has a domestic violence uh, uh, charge or conviction and uh, that they can't own a firearm right. for a period of years. Years after afterward. Right. And all the Republicans except two in the most vulnerable districts voted against this. Of you know, it, it, but that's the kind of thing that 70, 80, 90% of the people say that's very reasonable. Republicans included, except the Republican elected officials, whether it's in Lansing or Springfield or Washington, DC. And so these are not these are covered by the media in state or nationally as partisan divide when they're not. And that's why I think you're, you're, on on guns, on national security, on Ukraine, on on Israel, uh, on so many different things, there is a consensus uh, that Joe Biden is governing from that is a, a supermajority of yeah. Americans. I've said a lot on on Twitter. There are more of us than there are of them. Yeah. We've got to go out there and make sure that we don't get distracted and play their game. G- um they're going to they're the republicans are good at offense they're good at, they're going to be good at trying to change this conversation like when glenn youngkin won in virginia you know he got everybody talking about critical race theory and, yeah.
0: <laughs> and
1: that's it, it, you need to Terry McAuliffe back then, you know, should have been countering. You're nuts. Let's talk about your position on abortion. And I know there was some it's not as simple as that, but there's yeah. there's much more tendency to try to win on debate points, you know, like high yes. school or college debate. Uh, you don't win this on points. You win it on emotion and what, how, how you connect emotionally with voters. It's and that yep. that's that <laughs> something is is so critical to the, this process.
0: Let's take a pause there for our first. Uh, we got some great sponsors for the show this week. Let's uh, let's go see our sponsors. Trees are a renewable resource, but you know, not an unlimited resource. I mean, honestly, trees don't actually grow on trees, right? So everyday companies are clear-cutting forests just to produce toilet paper. Trees and wood are amazing resources, but doesn't make sense to use them for a product we only use once and flush away. You know, those trees deserve better. That's why real paper uses bamboo to make their sustainable toilet paper. Not only like does bamboo grow incredibly fast, you know, because it, it's a grass. It can be cut. Harvested over and over again just like the grass in your lawn so when you use real it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing trees or you know look i'm a tree hugger i'm i admit it freely if you guys follow me you know i hike every day i'm out in the woods and to know we're cutting down these beautiful trees for toilet paper it just doesn't make sense so real in a lot of ways feels like an upgrade to me for my heart it's always shipped free to my door it's plastic free shipping packaging it again it can schedule it i can schedule it right on my Right on the line, subscription goes to exactly where I need it, when I need it. I never have to worry about forgetting to buy anything at the store. Real is partnered with one tree planted. So, with every box of Real that you buy, they're funding like reforestation efforts. And if you've ever hiked to one of those places where they're putting new trees in, it's beautiful to see and it needs money. So, unlike other TP that cuts down trees, Real is actually helping organizations to replant our forest and to grow our trees back. So, look, Real Paper is available in easy hassle-free subscriptions for an online purchase or a one-time purchase on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your doorstep with free shipping, 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. So if you head to Real Paper, I want you to go to realpaper.com fred. You sign up for subscription using my code fred, you're going to get 30% off your first order and free shipping. So that's Real Paper, R-E-E-L p-a-p-e-r dot com slash fred or enter promo code fred to get that 30% off your first order and free shipping so let's make a change for good this year right switch to real paper real is paper for the planet and we're thrilled to have him a sponsor for this show you know i'm older so heart health and staying healthy especially when you have a family you want to be able to spend time with as much as possible is so so important we all have a heartfelt reason to support our blood pressure in fact, more than half the US population would benefit from blood pressure support. So SuperBeats Heart Shoes are an easy and convenient way to support healthy blood pressure and they promote heart-healthy energy. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in SuperBeats are clinically shown to be nearly 2 times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And with over 30,000 five-star reviews and counting, SuperBeats Heart Shoes are having their moment. Superbeats hard chews are incredibly delicious and so much better than any alternative supplements out there. I take my Superbeats heart chews each morning. It's really kickstarting my morning routine. After taking my Superbeats hard chews, I feel like I have more energy and I'm ready to take on the day. Superbeats is the number one pharmacist-recommended beet brand for cardiovascular health support. It's blood pressure support you can trust. Double your potential with Super Beats Hard Shoes. Now, get a three free 30-day supply of Superbeats Beats Hard Shoes and 15% off your first order by going to GetSuperBeats.com using promo code FRED. That's GetSuperBeats.com. Dot com and use promo code FRED to check out. I hope you'll we'll check it out. Thank you, through Beats, for sponsoring our show. Thank you, our sponsors. Man, I, I, that's such a... Before we left for the sponsor break, that's such a key thing, right? It is It is emotion. It is feeling. It is the winning mentality. It is the fighting for you mentality that I've had. And I emphasize this with a lot of the candidates I talked to. I was like, you can't get out there and give your policy list, right? Nobody... I said, and I gave... I was in a town hall the other day, and I said, you know, I went to combat um, four times, two of them as a, as a, a leader of... Um, army aviators specifically flying across enemy lines. And I said none of my pilots jumped into the cockpit and, and charged across the enemy lines to, to defend America because of George Bush's policy list. Right. <laughs> you know, that's just you have got to you've got to motivate people. You've got to bring the people don't walk away. They're not going to walk away from your speech remembering that, you know, the, the policies you came up. They're going to talk about the feeling of of believing what we're doing and believing that we have a, there's a better there's a better day ahead and there's a better country ahead. And and I and, and some you said something key going back to let's go to Michigan for the second second of the show. Going back to Michigan, you know one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the show is how um, Democratic governors um, have a moment they can seize. Um, you've got unified government now for the first time in I think a couple of decades, right in Michigan, uh, and 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 they're using it. Right, it's a slim margin. I believe I believe we might be losing it temporarily. Right, <laughs> uh, but but tell me what kind of things that Michigan's decided to do that Governor Whitmer's taken her moment to do.
1: What. Yeah, for having a uh, the trifecta controlling the entire legislature and the governor's office uh, is the first time in forty years that it's happened. Wow. And um, Governor Whitmer, uh, in her first term, when she had a Republican-controlled legislature, uh, really, I, I think, set a tone for how um, how how you govern uh, smartly. And she mm-hmm. she tried she went out and looked at those supermajority issue she didn't just try to say okay how can i only appeal to a super or to my highly motivated democratic base she she looked at the the that term as how can I co-opt as much Republican uh, support as, as possible, even if it didn't translate into Republican votes in the legislature? Uh, she co-opted business groups, Republican voters, Republican thought leaders, c- conservative uh, um, uh, figures. In, uh, and, and she ended up winning her reelection by a much larger margin in 2022 than in, in 2018. And with that, her coattails brought along a democratic majority and she hasn't, in her governing style, changed. She's okay. she's a, a, again a, a, she's a mainstream liberal Democrat. She's not, you know, part of the more extreme, you know, pro- progressive. You know, wouldn't be part of the squad if she was in uh, in Congress. Um, but she governs as that normal. Okay, we might disagree, uh, but I, I think you're normal. <laughs> on on policy issues right. republicans voted for her you know a good 10% or more of republicans in the state voted for her in the last election um in the the issues that the democrats are are running on and pushing through uh, they've pushed through had a tremendously successful uh uh year in in the legislature with their majority but they've focused on those super majority issues common sense gun safety common sense abortion policy where you're not you know putting people in jail over abortion and putting up uh, all kinds of of, of uh um oh. hurdles uh, to delay or or impede people who need uh, the procedure for oh, yeah. any reason you know it, they've 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 focused on uh on environmental issues uh, uh there, there are energy issues they're passing a um, a generational uh transformational kind of energy package uh moving away from coal uh fueled uh michigan has antiquated energy sources you, yeah I don't want to bore your all your viewers. Um, and, and one of the most un- because of the way Michigan is on a peninsula, surrounded by lakes, is has a very unreliable grid, uh, and, and it, it uh, you know, huge cost, unreliability. They're they're making some transformational changes. You, you have the usual suspects screaming about this. Folks funded by the coal and fossil fuel industry who will fight anything. Um, people always fight change. Yep. but it's the kind of thing that that uh, a, a wider swath of, of voters will support, and so uh, they've they've also done some very partisan things. Uh, but it repre- you mentioned you know a huge growing support of uh, uh, for union right. uh, uh, for unions. Right. Michigan about a decade ago had passed right to work laws. Yeah. Um, they repealed those right to work laws. Very partisan when it was first passed, and very partisan it was repealed, at least in terms of the people inside the arena, inside Lansing, who were fighting for it. But most voters, and even after this UAW strike that's now concluding, uh, you see the support, you see it. Yep much more sympathy and support for the unions, recognizing that there is the the, Michigan is a great example. I mean, you can give the, the, the unions a tremendous amount of props for helping create the U.S. middle class. And, you know, nowhere is that more evident than the auto workers in Michigan, you know, historically. Now, this is where strikes started the, back in in the 1930s. Yeah. And uh where labor really took root. And and so there's a culture here that that recognizes that uh in in even Republicans can can be sympathetic to labor. Right. Um That doesn't mean they agree with everything all the time, uh, but that's where I think Whitmer has been uh, very smart. The Democrats have been very smart. And that's largely the way Joe Biden has governed. Right. Uh, You know, it's, it's steady. It's, it's delivering. It's normal. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's curious. There's a whole lot of things you can use to uh, adjectives you can use to describe Biden and his style. Um, the, the Republicans want to have the debate, and the media wants to have the debate on his age because he's you know two and a half years older than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact they would have been in high school together, who gives a shit at that age? You know, yeah. <laughs> they're they're both old. Okay, great. Would you want the old guy who's going to protect democracy, or do you want the old guy who's corrupt and is going to destroy democracy? Right. Seems like a pretty easy choice to me.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, it's not to a lot of people. But you're right; the the, the tie in is very much there. What you see is having Michigan, you see the national governance under Biden, and the, and this and the, and the seamlessness. And what I've what I I like point out to a lot of folks is the fact that Biden still got the exact same cabinet he started with. Like, not one has been. Fired, not once had resigned in disgrace. I mean, it's so unheard of in our lifetime to see the same damn cabinet. But it just says about that steady hand approach that he uses that can also be infuriating. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a little bit too steady of a hand. But to his credit, that's that's kind of what you're seeing, and it isn't seeing the microcosm in in in, uh, in Michigan and, and, and the fight they've got going there. By the same token, you're also a microcosm for the larger issues like the, the the I think we talked about earlier about the the uh, sort of the, the normalization of violence, the normalization. Yep. Of the threats of violence, as you because remember during the COVID we had armed groups approaching the Capitol there in Michigan. There was yep. a plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, and and that normalization is also a microcosm you are facing. And you mentioned in, in, when we talked earlier about, did are you tell? Ta- did you seriously tell me that one of those state Republican legislators honored the guys that tried to pull this? Or I'm I'm kind of fucking dying. Yeah, you know, you know,
1: in, in Congress the hell, and in legislatures they have these what they call you know official you know proclamations that they. You you know, give you in uh, th- th- a Republican state representative, somebody who was elected in 2022 for her first term uh, in one of the, t- in one of the trials, there's, there's been, I don't know, a dozen people who've been tried and most, almost all of them have been convicted. There was yeah. a couple of people who got off, not because they weren't part of the plot, but because there was some arguably shitty prosecution um, and some technicalities that got these people off. There's a big difference between, being n- not being found guilty and being innocent. Yeah. Right. So everybody knows these guys were part of the plot. They were, they knew these people were part. Anyway, they, they weren't convicted. So she gives them this official proclamation, uh, you know, for, for, you know, I don't know what being American patriots or whatever the hell the, you know, these crazy mega ultra right wing folks. Uh, but it's, this it's this glorification. It's this normalization of, The abnormal, tolerating the what should be intolerable. It's the same thing. There were uh, Republican groups in Michigan this summer who got together and they had uh, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and that crazy couple from St. Louis who was brandishing the guns during BLM come in and they were the headliners. Right. Glorification of, of killing and violence and guns. Uh, Michigan has had some high profile. We had a school shooting two years ago, a high school shooting, very very deadly. The Michigan State shooting last year. It's it's been uh, this normalization of of violence. I remember back in in 2020, when you and I first got to know each other, uh, early in that summer, it was uh, through a group of, of people who came to us concerned about the threat of violence yep. is we looked ahead to the 2020 election, yep. this group of people who had worked in the Intel uh, community uh, and, and defense community. And that's how, you know, you yep. with your experience in the Iraqi blue, th- blue finger election, we got on the phone and did Zooms with election officials officials around the country trying to alert them to the threat, the prospect of violence. These, you know, it wasn't like we were Nostradamus, but these guys said they they warned us of what was going to happen on January 6th. Yeah. Well, that's what those are the things we were talking about. And my fear is that slowly by this has been like the frog boiling that whether it was the guns in the Michigan Capitol in 2020 to the kidnapping plots to going back to Charlottesville uh, in in 2017, January 6th. And now the attempt, the wholesale attempt by the Republican Party to whitewash what happened on on January 6th is this inch by inch. Glorification, normalization of of violence, trying to convince people is gaslighting. You know what, what what's happening before our eyes isn't happening, and I fear that twenty twenty four is going to be much worse than
0: twenty twenty was, and twenty twenty was awful. Yeah, and you do you hear the we hear the um, the warnings, we hear the nerve. You know the. I, I call them the nerve-wracking things we hear where they are saying there is a stronger belief now, than there was before 2020, that elections aren't fair. They're always stolen. Everybody loses elections, says it was stolen. This nutjob lady down in Franklin, Tennessee, who lost four to one, now says it was stolen. <laughs> and and, and yep. but the problem with this constant refrain from the elected leaders and others is that there's people believing it. That those guys in Michigan who tried to kidnap the governor, they believe this shit, and they will act on this stuff. And if you saw the guy just got arrested for death threats against some. You know, I think it was Letitia James or, or you know, it, it's just they are they're listening to this. The 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 they're hearing the dog whistle very loud and clear. And it is a call to violence. And it is it is worrisome. I, I only hope that we're better prepared than we were last time. But, you know, it, it doesn't take much. Right. I mean, I learned my lesson in Iraq. It only takes one dude who's motivated with a bomb and can make ma- life miserable for a lot of people. Um, and, and,
1: and we know there's a lot of people out there and there's a lot of radicalized groups. You know, the, the, the number of people in this country who think and would would admit will tell pollsters that violence is justified if it achieves their political ends or if it prevents certain things that they're opposed to from happening. Yeah. It's grown to an alarming number. The kind of if if we were seeing that kind of uh, of radicalization happening in other countries, the State Department would be. Issuing warnings, terrorism threats, we'd be monitoring we wouldn't be letting people from those countries in. We won't be letting Americans go to those countries. Yeah. We don't recognize it when it's happening here. We look at it when it's happening amongst our neighbors differently than if it was happening around the world. But it's it's really not in those people. If you step outside of the United States. States and look in with with clear eyes, it, it, it's alarming what's happening here. And it it is it's dangerous. And I, I go back to the point we should be alarmed. We should be concerned. We should be. I don't know if afraid is the right word. We should yeah. be afraid of if we don't act. We There are more of us than there are of them. If we don't take it seriously, if we don't turn out,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. if we don't get involved, they can win. Yeah. And that's what I tell my audience all the time, and they're sick of hearing. I'm sure, which is, we can fight back, and 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 yeah, voting matters. But getting involved in local campaigns, you know, making sure we went, motivating people to actually go out and vote, and not just blow it off. Because in a lot of ways, going back to what you mentioned in Virginia, a lot of it was people just freaking sleptwalk. They didn't they didn't bother, you know, and 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 McCall then ran a crap campaign. Let's be honest, uh, didn't bother to try and motivate rural Democrats to come out and vote. So they stayed home, In the end, he lost by the margins because of the fact that he he just simply slept. Walked in to think he'd be elected. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so we cannot sleepwalk into this next election. If 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 people don't get the message by now that the actual democracy, our actual democracy, is in danger in a way that we can't even fathom today, uh, I don't know what more I can tell. But there are ways to get involved, and we just have to get in there. And then and then we are in a global moment, right? Israel, it, it, the you know the, the you see already. Uh, you and I talked. You mentioned Charlottesville. I mentioned a lot in the show. My son in law was at Charlottesville. He was in National Guards of Virginia. Still in National Guards in Virginia. He was there surrounding that. Stupid statue, which I love that they freaking melted it down the other day. <laughs> that damn statue, which is nothing but you know, you know, lead ingots now. Which I just, I just, I, I just love. I, people are getting mad at me. I'm like, because I was like, you know, enjoying it. <laughs> I enjoyed it immensely to see Lee's statue melted into a bron- uh, nothing but ingots. Having said that, that we saw that both sizing of things then we see it now on a global scale with the fight in Israel and Gaza. Everyone keeps there's no nuance anymore, right? And yeah. and that could get when we take that to the next level here. Things get dicey fast, don't they?
1: They do, and you know the 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 thing to remember you know, when whether it's uh, uh, governing or thinking about how politics is going to or how how actions you take while governing is going to impact politics because you know we live in a political world and and every action the the White House takes is going to have rations in the next election. Um, doing the right thing. Uh, turns out to be, you know, good politics in the end. Yeah. Um, and what Hamas did was wrong. <laughs> what Hamas has done for decades is wrong. The, people like them need to be defeated. They right. need to be removed. And there's no way to do that without awful things happening. That's the unfortunate thing. I mean, I don't need to tell you uh uh, you know uh, w- w- what has to happen yeah. um it's it, it's awful uh and but that doesn't at the same token you know that doesn't the Israelis need to be, you know be careful in their response you know they can't go in and kill two million people to get the Hamas leadership and, yep. and not that they not that they would but you know the the, the ends don't always yeah justify the means but there's no way to there's no way to wage war without breaking things and killing people and unfortunately there's going to be innocents who are always uh you know pawns in in this uh in this horrible thing that's called you know humanity uh, yeah. it's I, there's no way around it yeah
0: yeah, and it's and it's not black and white, we live in a world of gray, right? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people who's like, you are you absolutely anti or absolutely you know anti God or, or it's just, and then it leads to some very ugly places where people like Brian Mass from Florida giving a yeah. speech on the floor of the United States House of Representatives of a, a combat veteran, injured injured veteran of the war, saying that saying there's innocent Palestinians is like saying there was innocent Nazi civilians. It's like. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? I mean, it, it, it's just, there, there are inno- there are always innocent civilians, okay? There's always, and by the way, we learned our lesson in World War II with this carpet bombing, and that's why we updated the Geneva Conventions after that war. The Geneva Conventions are dated 1949 for a reason, <laughs> okay? Because we right. realized the horror of unlimited warfare uh, and the scar it leaves on the world um, and the people who are fighting it. And I just, I it just, the whole thing makes me a little bit crazy. I don't mind telling you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, watching what's happening on some of the college campuses is yeah. just awful. I mean, you know, yeah. watching, you know, Jewish students be targeted, um it, it, there, there's 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 no justification ever. None for it. And no. and, and none. And yeah. and we it shouldn't be tolerated and there can't be a well, you know, no. w- Biden has in, in rightfully to his credit has called it out yeah. and they've they're they're doing the right thing. Um but doing the right thing doesn't mean you know, giving carte blanche to, you know, Netanyahu to go in and, you know, take out two million people. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, so long as Israel's war cabinet remains, uh, you know, the, the the wide coalition it is, I think we'll see um, this this war prosecuted as i can't see as well as well as it can as well as a war can be i mean mean, there's there's no way to there's no way to sugarcoat
0: it yeah i mean i I do hope so too i don't i i mean i i i've seen the effect and and something we used to say and i'll say it here in this show something i worked for john you know i worked for general petraeus and one of the things general petraeus said quite a bit was that when we when we kill one we create three more and the point being that in the in the, in, in, in an insurgency or dealing with terrorists Inevitably, if I kill one of them or I kill a family member of one of them, I'm creating more of them. Um, These kids who are being subjected to bombing, indiscriminate bombing right now, are going to be angry, too. And they're going to grow up. To be the next generation. That's that's how this thing goes. So you have to be discriminate. Right. You do have to be. You do have to hear the laws. It, it is very very hard. There's no easy answer in this. But the danger I worry with 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 this um, execution of any war is um, especially when it comes from a place of anger, which justifiable anger. Um, it can be carried away, and um, we will never will never. Uh, he used to say. We, he said, his saying was, "We'll never kill our way out of an industrial strength insurgency." And that that yeah. goes, I think, for this war as well. You, you just you simply will not kill your way out. Yeah, would, there's 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 we say in the military it's dying. Yeah, it, you know, there's more there's more to war than just killing shit. Well, anyway, I think we taught a lot. The kind of a <laughs> shitty way to end it, but <laughs> anyway, having said all that, hey, what a great day, um, Jeff Timmer! Tell everyone where they can find you. If you don't follow, you, if they're not following you on X and or Thread, I hope you're on Thread still or gotten there. You had to get them there. I, so. I am great. I, uh, you tell them can, where to you find me. Find
1: you. me on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. I do too. Um, uh, at Jeff Timmer on Threads. I'm at Jeff Timmer One. Okay, that's J E F F T I M M E R. Uh, you can find my podcast where. Every you get uh, your podcast subscribe rate us do all that fun stuff it's a republic if you can keep it uh, you'll hear lots of uh, national perspective and also michigan focused uh conversation so yeah. if you want to hear how things are going in one of the existential states for democracy next year listen to me
0: yep and we'll put a link in the we'll put a link on the blur of the show man i just man i am so glad to get you back over your time i appreciate you i love your i love your wife Tell her i said hi and uh keep the good work we really appreciate you brother Thanks, friend. Talk to you soon. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. And I'm not talking about some weird mind voodoo or a wacky message board. No, we're talking about our sponsor, Fume. And they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is bad. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of chemicals, fume uses all natural delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes in adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing anxiety while breaking your bad habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. It's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up, and I feel pretty cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and honestly, even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. There's no reason that can't be you. So join Fume, exciting humanity's breakup from destructive habits, by picking up the Journey Pack today. Now, head to tryfume.com and use code FRED to save 10% when you get the journey Pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code FRED to save an additional 10% off your order today. Man, what a great show. Kind of some some hard stuff to talk about. And it's a tough moment in the time we're facing right now. And 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 why I'm so emphatic about what needs to happen in the Congress and what needs to happen uh, nationally. You're seeing two really negative things right now going on concerning our national security. One of those, of course, is the new speaker trying to be clever, playing his silly little clever games. I don't know if you guys know, Mike Johnson's, oh yeah, we're we're, we're, I'm already seeing the pattern with this character. He says, "Oh yeah, I'm into funding Israel. I'm into funding Ukraine. I'm into border." But what he does, then you get the bill, and the bill says, "Oh, we're going to fund Israel, but we're going to offset it by cutting the IRS enforcement arm as an offset." Which of course causes, you know, less enforcement means not enough money coming in. He's already saying, "Oh, we're going to support Ukraine. It's going to be a game too." And this guy, he smiles that little, that little greasy, weird creepy smile, and and we can't trust him. So uh, the good news is, I think, as we came to the studio, uh, Schumer and the president said, You're, you sent us a bill that's got Israel tied to IRS cuts. It's dead on arrival. It's not coming in this this house. And on the Senate side, the, the, I mentioned at the top of the hour, this fight over uh, Tommy Tuberville's hold, um, it goes right to my biggest frustration. You guys who listen to the show, watch the show regularly, right you know the damn norms and traditions. It's always the norms and traditions. Now, I actually did some more research on this uh, unanimous consent. Somebody said that the the Senate actually operates exclusively on unanimous consent. They actually couldn't turn the lights on in the Senate without unanimous consent. That's how the Senate works. It's very on un, un, real place. But that – it was no big deal whenever he followed the rules. But then you've got Tommy Tuberville holding 300 military nominations. Now you got J.D. Vance coming in saying he's going to hold DOJ nominations because of the weaponization of DOJ. You've got Rand Paul. I mean, all of these characters have no respect for your stupid norms and traditions. They have no respect for the history and the importance of their work. They're much more interested in getting clicks, getting money. And look – I don't hold to the idea that Tommy Tuberville is doing general flip. I mean, OK, the conspiracy is killing me. OK, he's not he's not that clever. He's getting a ton of money and love from the anti-abortion groups to do this. And more he gets. He's he's a very simple man. They tell him he's awesome. He goes, I'm awesome. Oh, great. I'm awesome. And he's going to keep doing it. It's, it's he's not as clever as you think he is he's not good at conspiracies he's just a dumbass who's put himself into a corner and can't get himself out and refuses to do so because frankly he's doing great he's getting all the big fox news hits he's getting a ton of money i bet you if you check when you look at his pack records for the next month there's going to be a ton of money that went into his little pack from his friends in the uh, in the anti abortion world so there really is a moment where they're all not even trying to pretend to govern and that goes back to these damn Norm's tradition. So uh, you're going to have to break a little bit. They're going to have to break their rules, you're going to have to adjust them and, and and recognize the reality that we face a very dangerous future in America if we allow dusty old rules and traditions and non- Norm's traditions to, to dominate where we are today, because the world has changed. Okay, the, the book that those rules are in is now an electronic on my phone. And it needs to change. So hopefully they'll wake up, and we'll see that. Because in the meantime, those of us who live out here in the real world. The real world are really facing some very, very difficult moments, and it's um, it's very, very frustrating for me. So in the meantime, what can we do? Well, when you see people like my man <laughs> George Santos not getting kicked out, when you see people like uh, you know Paul Gosar running on, on you know unopposed, uh, you you realize that we have a problem in our Congress where too many of these people aren't afraid. They're not worried about being reelected. Too many members of Congress are sure they're going to be reelected, especially on the Republican side. You've heard the numbers from me before. Twenty-three Republicans ran unopposed last cycle, 126 ran with an opponent that never even raised $200,000. We see it right here in Missouri. We see it in Arkansas. My friend Chris Jones, previous guest in the show, is doing amazing things down in Arkansas. We've already got candidates in almost every single congressional race where they had um, most most of their congressional races last cycle went unopposed, not this time. So I was just talking to Chris Jones today about that down in Arkansas. So we can do a difference. That's why I'm part of this Forgotten Democrats. You've heard me mention it every week I'm the National Chairman, which means I'm sort of a sort of a a, a guide and a, and a spokesman. And and what we're trying to do, what not and what Forgotten Democrats are doing, is raising money, and that money goes directly to candidates who need it the most. It's not going to be ads, we don't have, it's not like the Lincoln Project, it's going to be an ad shop, we're not, there's going to be hired, there's like, damn employees, to be honest. It's really just designed as a model where your money is pooled and given to candidates who need the money the most, sort of crowdfunding it. It's essentially crowdfunding. And it's a great little organization, so if you want to learn more, just join our email list. You can text FRED to 33777, super easy. That's FRED to 33777, or go straight to ForgottenDemocrats.org and uh, join the community for monthly donations, small donations part of our community. We have Zooms, we have town halls, and we're really going to be organizing as the election year kicks off to put people to work for these great candidates that I'm hoping we can support this cycle. So that's my pitch this week. Had a great time talking to you guys. As always, you can find us on our channel, our YouTube channel, of course, is the On Democracy podcast on YouTube, my official channel. I'm still on x slash Twitter as F.P. Wellman. I'm on threads and Instagram as F.P. Wellman Official. Find all you need. As always, we're here in the Half Coast studios. Thanks to our friends at Vi Media. Check us out, find us. Leave a like, leave a subscribe on Apple and podcasts and Spotify. Come on by the Midas Touch Network. We love being part of the Midas Touch Network, and we're glad to have you all here. In the meantime, keep up the fight. Check out, we've got some great videos coming out this week on Midas Touch in addition to the podcast. So look for our latest hot takes and hits on the Midas Touch Network with our friends, uh, the Marcellus brothers, and all the great creators of the Midas Touch Network. I'm Fred Wellman here at On Democracy. We'll see you next week.